This program is brought to you by Rosie the Riveter Trust, the official nonprofit sponsor of Rosie the Riveter World War II Homefront National Historic Park located in Richmond, California. Rosie the Riveter Trust supports the National Park's public education programs and the historic preservation of the World War II Homefront, including stories from real Rosies who inspire that we can do it spirit that initiated the still ongoing transformation of the American workplace to one of inclusion, diversity, and equity. Support the Trust's mission of equality and empowerment and purchase official Rosie gear by visiting rosytheriveter.org forward slash shop. Enter the promo code FIXSKIN at checkout to receive a 10% discount. You're listening to Thick Skin, and I'm Alicia Crawford, your host. This is a brand new podcast series dedicated to sharing the stories of women and non-binary people working in the skilled trades, some on the ground and some from 50 stories high and even a few attached to a cable atop the Golden Gate Bridge. Get ready for some raw, honest, really funny, and extremely inspiring stories from welders, electricians, auto mechanics, machinists, carpenters, and so many more. I should also tell you that many of the episodes, including this one, contain adult content that may not be so suitable for your young, skilled kiddos. In this very first episode of Thick Skin, we have two parts. First, you'll hear from Jessica. Next, you'll hear from Evelyn. Jessica gives us an unusual perspective in that she's worked as a welder, as a man, and as a woman. She's really amazing. She lives and works in San Francisco, California. She's a welder, a sculptor, a machinist, an educator. She makes knives. How cool is that? And she's a filmmaker. Right now I'm recreating Viking swords and knives and blacksmithing. And I used to kind of be afraid to do that because I was like, that's a very manly thing. 27 years ago, Jessica worked as a professional welder in Northern California and was exceptionally good at her job. However, she was Jesse then, living as a cisgender male, and for years she felt out of place living as a man and working in the male-dominated trade of metalworking. When Jessica and I got together, we talked about her childhood, and I asked about her origin story with welding. She pinpoints the exact moment she knew she was a builder. Um, let's see. So it started when I was very young. So I, I'm 45 years old. So I come from a, a time in California and in the United States where they actually taught metalworking in shop class. Mm. And so I actually had shop class in school, in junior high school and in high school. And um, I was always kind of fascinated by building and like I wanted to be like a little astronaut and build my own ship and then fly it, you know, uh, like, uh, so I was like, I was like figuring out how to fly it and then I'll like, how can I build this? And so I would draw little drawings, you know, and, but then I actually like sat down with the tools and I was like, wow, this is like what I've always kind of fantasized about doing is building stuff myself, you know? Right. And I realized like when I first saw like welding happening, it was just like so magical because mm. you take two pieces of metal and you make them become one. Like they're literally molecularly bonded together. Like the possibilities in my head already started growing. I was kind of the nerd of the shop class because mm. like I said, usually people went there and they would break the tools mm. and I became like best friends with the shop teacher uh -huh. and I would go and like 
police the place, you know? And I'd be like, don't, yeah, exactly. I was like, don't, like, don't mess with this lathe. Like, we only have two lathes and the other one's ancient. It's about to break. Mm -hmm. And like, if you break this, I won't be able to make my things, you know? So I would like defend the tools, honor. (laughs) Um, So anyhow, um, right in my senior high school year, that was when they started dissolving the shop classes like yes. literally all over America and my shop class got dissolved and the teacher came to me like in our senior year and he was like that time my name was Jesse and he said Jesse like you should see the shop it's it's just like all the tools are pushed to the center because they're going to auction them and like the whole shop was just being liquidated and I was like oh my god really like that's horrible The teacher was really into like getting people jobs, you know? And so he he found a job for me right away. And he's like, you're really talented, here's a job. And so I started working at a muffler company. And so I've built thousands of mufflers, you know, in my life. Um, So I, I was working in a production shop when I was like 19, you know, right out of high school. And I learned welding really fast. And then I, I worked there for like seven years. And then, um, and at the time I was like not really aware that I was a a trans person. Mm. I knew that, I, I mean, like, I always knew when I was young that I wanted to be a female and not a male, but, like, it just didn't really make sense to me. And also, like, the time, like, we didn't have the internet then. Yeah. It was really weird. So I was just, like, living as a young man, as a welder, and I got married at a really young age, and I actually I had a kid and then got married. <laughs> That's yeah. how I was, like... I've got to do the right thing, you know, and so, um, and that was like when I, so I had a child when I was 23, and also right about that time, I started figuring out that I was a trans person, mm. and I had already been working in the um, the industry, and I remember um, we once had a woman that came to work there, mm-hmm. and she was a welder, and we actually literally had to take the whole shop and like sit them down and be like, okay, so there's a chick working here, you know? And like, wow. you guys need to like cool your jets and all that. It was way before we had like sexual harassment training and mm-hmm. stuff like that. We had safety training and that was it. You know, OSHA safety training. That's that was it. That was it. Mm-hmm. Um, and the idea of having a woman mm-hmm. in the shop was weird. Mm-hmm. Having a, a queer person, right. if, if anybody had known that I was secretly struggling with being queer, right. It was like a deep secret that I held, mm. um, and it was like actually frightening. I mean, I would sit there and listen to people tell me, like guys in the shop, like what would happen if they had like sex with a trans woman and they found out or something. Like, okay. and, and I'm sitting there like okay. listening to this going like, wow. And these are the people I work with, you know. As Jessica was coming out, she continued to experience an internal conflict between her call and path as a metal worker and her newly embraced trans identity. I had always known it, and I actually told my ex-wife mm-hmm. that I, I think I want to be a girl. And she was like, you're crazy, but, but this is me. Like, I know this is me. Mm-hmm. And so then I met a person who was just transitioning, and they were a person who actually passed really well, mm-hmm. but they were still transitioning. So mm-hmm. I, I just had this, like, feeling. I, I was like, I think that's a trans person. I think mm-hmm. that's actually, like, what I am. Mm-hmm. And I, like, talked to them a little bit. They really looked feminine and they had like the curves and everything. And and I was like, I think that's what I am. And so then I literally went home and I got on the internet. Not everybody had the internet at that point. And I just got the internet and I was like, you know, I don't think it was even, 
I think it was dial up. I mean, it was <laughs> it was pretty old school. And I was like, and I got on the internet and I looked up trans and all this stuff. And I, of course, I got porn and I and I got all this crazy stuff. But I started honing in on what I was, mm. um, even though there's a lot of garbage out there. Mm. The people who are bold enough to go on the internet and show themselves, because if you put yourself that you're trans on the internet, you're going to get right, you know, attacked. And so the people who are bold enough to do it were sort of a little, you know, they were, they, there was a reason why they were so bold. They were kind of like a little bit, you know, I wouldn't say crazy, but they were just, you know, they were just like, screw it, man. And, yeah, yeah. and, and so I thought like, oh my God, I think I'm crazy. Like I thought I was going insane, you know. After Jessica came out as trans, she thought she'd try to re-enter the welding world. She'd always wanted to share her skills and teach others. And when she met the Flaming Lotus girls, she knew she was home. I dressed more feminine at that time, okay. and I wasn't really working in shops, so I had like this skirt, but it was wool. So I was like, okay, I can weld with this. <laughs> and, welding in your wool skirt. Yeah, so I was welding in my wool skirt, and I was showing them how to do MIG welds on stainless steel, because oh, yeah. stainless steel is a little different. Yes. And I was like, oh, yeah, I've been doing that for years. And so I was like, let, let me show you. I'm like, I know I'm wearing a skirt, but whatever. <laughs> like, <laughs> what's cool is about this, this shop and about this movement is that it's inclusive to everybody, women, mm -hmm. men, queer people. Everybody can come in and learn about how to work with metal. And there, was, there was a shift. I mean, it literally was not like that before. She had a longing to bring together her two identities, but she wasn't quite sure how to go about it. I consider myself a little butch too. Mm -hmm. Like when I first started transitioning, it took me a while because when you first find out you're trans, you sort of go, okay, well, I want to be a woman. So it's like, now let's what? just be feminine. Let's right, do everything. What? What do do, yeah, right? exactly. So, you, so you're like, what does it mean to be feminine? Jessica recognizes that part of her transition required an exploration of defining femininity. She talks in particular about her physique and how it poses some unique challenges. I'm six foot three. I weigh you know, over 200 pounds. I'm like very muscular. And so I don't really pass as, as a woman. And so there was a time where I was like trying to actually get rid of it mm. because it was like such a manly identity and I kind of wanted to be like an office worker or something. And it, it was weird. <laughs> yeah. And so it took me years to come full circle, but I basically discovered that like that male identity is part of me and I can't get rid of it. And once I embrace it and like learn to love it and like it and and operate with it, <clears throat> it just makes me, I, I don't know, it makes me feel more whole and I'm more happy. Hmm. And so it's actually awesome being <laughs> a dual gender person. I can flop back and forth as, <laughs> much, as, I, as much as I want, but anybody yeah. can do this too. Yeah. And that's someday that's what I'm going to teach. Mm -hmm. right? Jessica tried to leave metalworking behind, but it called her back. She returned to her craft, and now she lives as a professional welder again. She's fully embraced her trans identity and really relishes in telling her story in the hopes that she can inspire more acceptance of women, trans women, and non-gender conforming people in the metal and machining traits. I confuse people. <laughs> and that's okay. Yeah. You say with a smile, but, you know, sort of how does that register with you Yeah. over time? Well, it used to kind of bother me, but now I've see it as an opportunity to like get to know someone because a lot of people say like I'm confused by you but also like I understand you and I get you because at first I really was kind of afraid of this stuff mm. but now that I've met you you seem like a normal person <laughs> you know what I mean like they they literally like think right. that trans people are crazy I mean 
to be, to, let's be honest here. I mean, I'm I'm being recorded. I, when I when I first was finding out I was trans, I was really transphobic. You know, I was homophobic. I mean, think mm-hmm. about the environment that I was like yeah. kind of around. You know, like we would sit around and talk about how much we were disgusted by gay people or gay, wow. and we would be, imitate gay men and we would pretend to be them as like mocking them. You know, and that's that's how I grew up. And if you don't kind of join the fray, you oh what it what is Jesse gay because he's not making fun of gay people with us so you just it's learn noticed. yeah you learn to adapt it and it, you can't just imitate all this stuff and then in your mind think I might be queer or gay mm-hmm. and not like kind of hate that I have to admit I was like that too and it took me a long time to understand so when I meet people I can understand them and then I also say well yeah but now that you've met me and, and I'm just a normal person <laughs> Does she feel silly feeling that? Yeah, like, now I just, like, get rid of that crap. You don't need that anymore. You don't need homophobia, transphobia. Like, get rid of that. Yeah, yeah. Hang out with me, you know? As Jessica transitioned into her feminine identity, she realized quickly it would be a test of her patience and resilience. It's still not perfect, because I still actually, like, a lot of people say, oh, you're a welder or a machinist. They make a ton of money. You can make a ton of money as a welder. One of the problems, though is that the jobs that you do make a lot of money are usually like working on the bridge or the construction jobs. And I do have to say, I have been on a lot of job sites in the construction industry mm-hmm. and they're very male dominated. Yes. I don't feel safe on a lot of those job sites as right. a trans person. You know, I'm a big person and stuff, but you're using dangerous tools in high places yeah. with people who think that you shouldn't really be alive or You know, like yeah. that made me nervous. Those are hypothetical things that I've created in my own head, but mm-hmm. they're real fears. Mm-hmm. And although it is probably not going to happen, it could. Mm-hmm. You know, you never know. Her determination and patience are unwavering. What inspires me about Jessica is how open and generous she is about sharing her story and telling us all that she's learned during this maturation process into a trans person. She talks about how it's really prepared her to take the next steps in advancing her career. So because I, I'm a gender outlaw and everything, and I've, and I've kind of went through that, you learn how to operate in a space that's not traditionally accepted in our society. And so I'm also finding out that I'm trying to niche out a career for myself mm-hmm. too. And it's mm-hmm. obviously not a typical career, right. you know? And right. so it's hard. But the, the only thing that kind of keeps me going on is, well, I successfully, you know, interpolated that with, with my gender identity. So, like, let's do that with my career now. Yes. And it takes a long time. In part two, we're talking with Evelyn. She's a metal fabricator and a welder, and she's an educator and a sculptor and a machinist. And she lives and works in Oakland, California. I love metal. It's actually in my blood. My ancestors were, were uh, metalsmiths and hungry in the Balkans, and they're gypsies. And I heard stories of my great-great-grandfather making knives to like survive as a gypsy and just traveling. We'll be right back with more of Evelyn's story after this message from our sponsor. This podcast is brought to you by Ironworkers Local 378. They've been building America for over 100 years. Women and men who have experienced or an interest in welding, rebar, structural steel, or green technology are encouraged to join this proud and storied organization. Become a union iron worker and earn top wages and receive benefits that take care of you and your family, now and for the future. 
They're particularly interested in certified structural welders and experienced rebar installers. And of course, entry-level people are always welcomed. They have a women's only pre-apprenticeship program. Contact them today if you're interested in being an ironworker. Check them out at ironworkers378.org or universityofiron.org. Don't waste any more time. Start a career in ironworking today. When Evelyn and I first spoke, the lockdown for the pandemic had just begun. So we got on the phone. Alicia, I miss metal. And so what are you doing now? I'm doing nothing. <laughs> I'm doing nothing. I just sketch and do paper mache and do lots of baking. <laughs> and we got to talking about how she discovered her love for metal, or what we're calling her spark. My love for metal started, I was going to school at the School of Visual Arts in New York City. That's where I'm from, not the city. I'm from, I was born in Brooklyn. And my father's an upholsterer, so I always like furniture. So I took a course at SBA. There was a semester where there was a class that was furniture design. So I just made this, like, uh, it's like a half-size scale of a chair out of metal, and bam, that's where my love came from. After that, it sparked it. I, I, I was trying to, I was trying to figure out how do I, how do I learn this? I actually went to some kind of trade school back in New York, and they, they show everything, obviously, like electrical, welding, plumbing. So I went there. I was like the only female, of course, in the orientation, and the guy who was facilitating it, he was like, you know, I think you're in the wrong school, the wrong place. And I'm like, why are you telling me this? He's like, because you're a female. I'm like, I, I don't care, man. I, I still want to check this out, and that shouldn't have anything to do with that. It was a real turnoff. So I, I was like, mm, I don't think I'm going to go there. And actually, a woman called me back from that trade school and was like, we apologize for that guy's insolent remarks. And we would love for you to like come back and check it out. And I was like, you know what? No, thank you. So I decided to write a letter to this woodworking shop. And I, and I wrote a sweet letter, you know, super kissing ass, like, you know, your craftsmanship is just amazing. And I would love to like work there, even though I don't know about building, crafting. He was like, oh my God, come to the Brooklyn Navy Yard. I'm going to show you around. And I went and it was just amazing because it was this awesome wood shop. And I got the job. I got a job. He's like, would you like to work for me? And I was like, yes. So I started working at, the, at this place. And then down the hall was a metal shop. Then I got a job at that metal shop. Early on, as she entered her career in the trades, Evelyn had both good and bad experiences working with men. Yeah, it's a hit or miss. You go into these shops and there's, there's really secure men. They're like, hey, we're going to show you the trade. Or if you know how to do your shit, they're like, hell yeah, lady, keep going. And then there are these assholes who are like, let me show you how it's done. I've come across some amazing, I mean, sure, there are a lot of people who suck, but there are a lot of people who are kick-ass. Like, I've had older guys just be so freaking wise and sagey and just like just awesome just having your back like that first metal shop that I worked for was amazing those guys were like we're gonna show you how to kick ass in this stuff and it was awesome and they were legit I asked Evelyn what she likes about welding and working in a shop you know what's so sick Alicia when you work in a shop and everybody's in such a great mood because we all like each other, it's like you're jamming. 
Like, I've never been in a band, but it must be like a band. I remember this one shop I loved going because we would just be orchestrating all this awesome music, just like somebody's drilling, somebody's grinding, somebody's welding, somebody's just like beating up in place for something to be plumb so they could tack it up. It, it was just the greatest orchestra of sounds. That sounds like a spiritual experience, even. Oh, it was the only thing I've ever experienced. <laughs> right? But it was cool, like, coming in being like, what, what do I do, foreman? And they're like, you got to do these drawings, right? You need any help? Let me know. It was just awesome. Like, we'd, we'd bust our humps in that place because we had so much fun. Not that everything has to be always fun, but it was kind of, it was different. I recently got together with some girlfriends who are in the trade and it's just like, it's just terrible, the things that I hear. And I, it just, it breaks my heart because I'm like, you know, all they want to do is just learn the skill. They don't give a fuck about anything else. They just want to learn it. Like I told those woodworkers, I'm like, I'm just here to learn the skill. I'm not here to look pretty for you or, or anything. We just want to learn. That's all because it's awesome. And why shouldn't we? Some of us are better than some men. <laughs> You gotta definitely have some thick skin, ladies. They're gonna be some haters out there. But if this is something that you really, really like, the doors will open. And as long as you're skilled and you know your trade really well, there's gonna be people who are gonna respect that. Thank you, Evelyn and Jessica, for sharing your stories. And thanks for listening to Thick Skin. This show was produced by me, Alicia Crawford. Audio engineering support and original music by Eric Corson. And thanks to Francis Maddie, my social media rock star. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thick Skin Podcast. Hashtag Women Trades Podcast. This podcast was made possible by the generosity of 36 different donors, with a special thanks to the Crawford Family Trust.